0: I'll be reading from Romans 4, verses 7 through 11, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness, then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned, when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision. But an uncircumcision, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Well, I promise you, I put the winners' cup as my first slide before ACU won last night. Uh, It must be a God thing. Um. But the winner's trophy is something that we desire, um, especially for teams we support, especially if, we, if it's us that are competing. To win the winner's trophy, it means a lot. It shows the the perseverance, the uh, hard work, and the effort that we put in. And then you receive that winner's trophy, and then you see everybody else receiving the participation trophies. This is perhaps the most loathed uh, trophy you can receive. Um, it says, well done, you tried, but you're a failure. Um, it says, uh, here's an award for not being quite as good as somebody else. Um, and it, it, I get it. The meaning is there. But it's not the winner's trophy. It's not what, what we're striving for. And yes, the winners may not get the participation trophy. They get the winner's trophy. But the winner also gets bragging rights. But does that really count when everybody else gets something else that you've worked hard for? We'll come back to this trophy in a little bit. And what Alan covered over the last week or so, and wrapping up uh, Romans 3, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, a church that is divided between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. The Jewish Christians have been allowed back into Rome. They've been sent out because of this um, disturbances in the synagogues. Um, So the Jewish Christians were sent out, but the Gentile Christians could stay now the jewish christians have come back there's tension because things aren't quite how they used to be things are not the way the jews would have done it not that in 2021 anyone would ever look for differences to cause arguments or uh, fights or not get along with anybody right um we, we all love to get along. We don't look for any differences. <laughs> you, you, you can laugh. Um, <laughs> so at the end of chapter 3, it states that through faith, that righteousness is given in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Faith. Let me adjust this. I think it's knocking on the... Is it good? Okay, it's good. Thank you. It is faith, not works... Not gender, not race, not where you're from, not what you look like or how you sound. Faith. You may remember Paul writes at the end of uh, chapter 3, verses 22 through uh, 24, uh, it says, There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came By Christ Jesus. Paul is not looking for differences. Here he reveals the similarities. For all have sinned. He's not saying, well, you're a murderer, you're a liar, you're a gossip, you're a gambler. He's not breaking up the sin. He's saying, you have all sinned. We have all sinned. And it's funny to me, the country comes together. 9-11 is a perfect example of this. When there's devastation, when there's something that unites us, we work together well. When we focus on the similarities, differences no longer matter. I used to work for um, a movie theater back in England. I was the projectionist, moved to Reading from Bristol. And our uh, general manager um jay he He was Muslim, and I thought, "Wow, well, this is a good opportunity for me to you know teach Jesus to him and no matter what I tried to do, he came in saying, "But our faiths are founded on Abraham and he used what was similar to tell me. Don't preach different to me. We still believe the same God. We may call him different things, but let's look at the similarities. And I learned a lot from him in that. But differences are weaker than commonality if it's focused on. Alan has also referred to on a number of occasions that it's not the law that justifies a person. Rather, it is their faith What God is, uh, God is both God of Jew and Gentile. As we turn the page from chapter 3 into chapter 4, Paul goes straight to the one who everyone understands in the faith to be the prime example, their father, Abraham. And he writes What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works. He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, Their faith is credited as righteousness. This text refers to Genesis 15, 6, and later uh, we'll we'll touch on this in uh, verse uh, 22 of chapter 6 um, of Romans. When Paul quotes the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's belief, or faith, came before anything he did. Keep that in mind. It came before anything that Abraham acted upon. He believed he would have a child before God made it happen. He, his belief was what credited Abraham as righteous. Now, I really like this example of Paul's offer uh, that Paul offers here in verse 4 about a worker earning his pay. How many of us would be willing to get up and go to your job for 40 years without a single penny? Raise your hand. Nope, I thought so. We work for a paycheck. And if you're like me, you work expecting to receive payment for your knowledge, for your time, and for your effort. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times we do some jobs that we are volunteering our skills and our time for, but that's made known at the beginning. You don't sign a contract for 40 years to work for Dow, for example, without a penny. You'd kind of be foolish to do that. And so you expect to be paid. There's this obligation to receive something for your efforts and your time. So how many of you would rather get a paycheck um, for sitting at home, watching Netflix, or reading a book, or spending time with family, or doing your hobbies, or vacationing? Would you rather that paycheck? Yeah? Yeah, I I would like that. Um, We think, just because we work for a paycheck, that we deserve a payment. what we do for the church now don't get me wrong there's a payment coming and it's it's this debate is it what we do or is it our faith and that's what we're looking at those who believe in the works of god before they are seen are justified as and credited as righteous it's our faith that is more important it's the story of the prodigal son the youngest son runs off and wastes his inheritance, but is made righteous knowing what his father could do for him. Becoming a servant is what he'd want. The, younger, uh, the older brother expects a reward for staying at home and being with his father and working hard for him all these years. The younger brother doesn't expect to be treated as family or even celebrated for coming home because he knows he does not deserve it. And yet, this celebration happens, and he is welcomed back as family. The older brother has been participating in everyday life, at home and at work. And yet, his father throws a party for his younger brother who's gone away, and he thinks he deserves it. We don't expect parties for when we're law keepers if you don't murder someone this week like you've never done hopefully do you expect a reward for that no but if you have sinned and you repent of that sin then there's a celebration now i'm not saying go out and murder people and then then we'll have a celebration i am not saying that please do not hear that but we do not expect to be rewarded for being law keepers. And that's what this is about. The older brother felt like he needs to be rewarded for doing what was right. And not the repentance. And so this is where we picked up with what Taden read for us in uh, chapter 4, 7 through 11. It's quoting what we read earlier uh, in David's thirty-second psalm: "Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will count, uh, will never count against them." The conversation Paul is addressing here, the conversation causing dis, uh, division in the church in Rome at this particular time, was to be or not to be circumcised. You see, the Old Testament law states. Anyone that is of Jewish faith must be circumcised. And therefore, if you're a Jewish Christian, you must be circumcised. And they're arguing with the Gentiles saying, you need to be circumcised. And the Gentiles are saying, but that's the old law. That does not matter anymore. The circumcision is in the death of Jesus. That was the act, that was what mattered. And so if you came to faith from not being of Jewish blood, no matter how old or young you were, you had to be circumcised. That was the Jewish thinking. There were no exceptions. There was an obligation to receive that reward. You had to act on this circumcision. When we sin, there is a debt that needs to be paid. Our sin causes a debt. Jumping back to Romans 3, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all of us, every single one of us in this room, every one of you online, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is sin, and that sin must be paid for. Now, as, as we jump ahead to Romans six twenty-three, it says, For the wages of sin is death. And that's the price to pay. Our sin requires death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the debt paid. Christ Jesus died for our sins. The debt that we owe was paid by Christ. Circumcision wasn't enough sacrifices on the altar was not enough the death of the righteous one jesus was enough when you are in christ when you've put him on in on in baptism and you keep that relationship with christ alive by communing that's what this is for by communing together with him, all sin, all debts, all wrongs are paid for by the blood of Jesus. The debt you build will never count against you. And that's amazing. The prodigal son returns home and is made a member of the family again. He was forgiven, not because of his actions, but because of the grace the father had upon him. Circumcision was a sign of faith in the same way that a wedding band is the sign of marriage. The ring symbolizes marriage, but it is not the marriage. Circumcision was a symbolism of the relationship between human or mankind and God, but it was not the relationship. It's not about the works, but it's about faith. Abraham's faith came before the mark of circumcision. And something just happened to my notes. Here we go. Technology can be useful. Okay. Where am I? Down here. Okay. So Abraham is the father of all since uh, all who believe since his faith came before the law the sign of circumcision the the promise of of what was to come was given to him uh, it was given to him uh, not through the law but before it this circumcision came after his faith he was circumcised because of his faith does that make sense is that clear? Yeah? Seeing nodding heads, that's good. Um, the, promise, the promise all rests on is the righteousness of God's grace. Trusting God to always be the righteous one, the deliverer, the redeemer, the keeper of all promises. God calls Abraham before he was circumcised, not before he was a law keeper, because the law came after. God in grace, delivers Israel while they were still in, sa- in slavery. He does it before they can keep a law. We'll continue our reading, picking up in verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be an heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless. Because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgressions, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it might so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are sorry um, not only to those who are of the law but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, and God who, d- who gives life to, dead, to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but it was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised Abraham is the example in chapter Four, because he kept his faith. He kept his faith in the promises of God. He had hope even when things looked hopeless, even though he was old and had no children, he trusted in God to make him the father of many nations. He trusted God would al- he trusted that God would al- follow through with all he had promised. Abraham is the example. Because when most of us would give up, he kept his eyes focused on God. He kept his eyes focused on what was said to him. He kept his faith and it strengthened. So let me ask you this, what if we don't give up asking God for what we've been praying for? What if we keep on praying? What if we don't say, well, I prayed about it. Nothing's happened. Keep praying. See where your faith will guide you. Where could your faith be if you never gave up? The text goes on saying, it was credited to him. These words of faith weren't about Abraham, but about Paul's readers, and therefore us as well. It's all about faith. In faith, we receive the same credit and justification and deliverance when we believe in the promises of God, uh, promises of Jesus. To briefly jump ahead to chapter five, God keeps His promises today, while we were still sinners, and while we were still lawbreakers. God, in His grace, sent Jesus to die for us. And it all depends on faith. So in faith, we receive justification and deliverance. Abraham was trusting in the promises of God. And in faith, we trust in the promises of God. The promise came to fulfillment in Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. We have faith in the one who raised Jesus from the dead and for our justification We have faith that he's gone to prepare a better place for us. We believe he will return for us in the same way he ascended. In faith, you are a child of Abraham. Family in faith. Reading scripture is reading your family history, directing us to live the next chapter of our lives, for others to see, to follow, and to read. We must no longer continue to do the things that separate us from God, or like in Romans uh, 1.32 says, we must not approve of those who practice them either. And finally, in faith, we make purposeful actions. Living in faith is not an excuse to do nothing and claim it to be faithful living. Living in faith means... We put faith first, then action. Faith does require to do something. It needs action. The action is being sure of what we, what is hoped for and certain of what is unseen. Hebrews 11:1. The action lays deeper than just saying I believe or showing up to a church service. The action lays in the meaning, lays in meaning what you say and do in and around the home and the workplace, as well as church. Abraham had faith, but he and his wife still had action before becoming a father, if you know what I mean. Paul asks in verses 9 and 10, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Under what circumstances was it credited? And his answer comes from Abraham's faith before the circumcision. The circumcision was the seal proving his righteousness. The person following the law isn't doing something special, but is doing what is required. The one who understands they cannot follow the law completely, but instead asks God for mercy and believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteous. The older brother who thought he deserved a party for, or a celebration for doing what was right, for not breaking the law, I think too often we, the church, we believe we deserve something special, some form of special recognition. Oh, you've been a wonderful Christian this week. Good job. We want that recognition. And I think that's why we set our standards so high in the church. We don't admit to our failures and our fails. Because we don't want people to see that in our life. And yet, knowing we cannot live a perfectly sinless life like like Christ did, that is where we're justified in God's mercy and grace. We want a participation trophy for being faithful members of the church for all these years. There are people who judge harder and wrongly for people who come through the doors that may not look like the rest of us or who may ask questions that we don't ask anymore because we've accepted things to be the way they are now. Some of us get angry when someone returns home after being unfaithful for so long and decides to start their life over with God. How wrong of us to judge and be angry and to to say they've sinned so they don't deserve this anymore. How wrong is that? And the Jewish Christians expected the Gentile Christians, Christians to act upon circumcision because that's the way it had always been done. But God knew for the gospel to reach all people, for the sacrifice of Jesus to have meaning for each one of us in a different time and in a different place, something had to change. That something wasn't the faith of man or the grace of God. Rather, it was by the works, the way people put on how to become a child of God. All too often, we trust according to the words of ourselves or others. The only words we need to trust in is the work that was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. The last two verses, three verses of uh, Romans chapter four reads: "The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but for us, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for." us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It is my prayer that in each of your hardships, your struggles, your doubts, and your fears, in your unknowns of life, and even in the fully and even fully in the things that you are certain about in all these things i pray that your faith will grow that it will shine and it will be the example for your family and your friends to use in the lives of those around them i pray that your example of faith will shine so bright that the people around you will see christ in you and tell their friends hey There's something awesome about this person. And all you do is point to Jesus. I invite you, if you're here in person this morning, if you want to come forward during the invitation song, or if you want to speak to one of the elders after service, or if you're online viewing with us this morning, I encourage you to reach out. If you have any questions, any fears, any doubts, reach out to the number on the screen, 979 217 I encourage you to reach out because it's faith that is greater than works. But if you need something to happen, there has to be action. There has to be something done. And so I encourage you to come forward and share whatever's on your heart. May we not just be participants in our faith walk, but may we all strive for the faith of Abraham. Thank you.